Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right. Welcome back for episode 97 of Freight 360. This week, we're going to talk all about negotiating, which is a huge topic for brokers on the on the sales side of the aisle. So I'm, I'm really excited to get into it, Ben. Um, unique situation. I'm, I'm recording from uh, Central Virginia this week. I'm at Fort Lee. I'll be here this week and next week. And uh, it's hot, man. I, I, I was thinking about it. It's like the real feels in the hundreds. It was like 80 percent humidity the other day and like 90 degrees. And I could only think about how you do this like every year in the summertime. So you just get used to it, to be honest. Like it's like anything else, the same way my buddies will bust my chops that I can't take the cold anymore. When I grew up, I was the kid that like loved to shovel snow in like a hoodie and my flip flops and shorts. Now, if it's below 70, I'm like, give me a blanket and give me a hoodie. I don't need to be cold anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So it's funny. The, um, the army course that I'm taking down here, this is the army logistics university. And I try to do a course here like every, every year, if I can, it's a professional development thing. And it, it helps me get a better, yeah, I guess a, a better grasp on logistics overall and getting to see it from the government side. And we're going through a, the, basically the army's version of a TMS, I guess you could call it. It's the, it's called GCSS army. It's the global combat support system or mm-hmm. whatever system for the army. It's based on the SAP platform. It's an ERP system. And all of their like maintenance work orders and um, ordering of parts and in-transit visibility is all done through this. And going through on the brokerage side, trying to vet out a TMS for for Pierce, where I work in my normal job, um, I got to see all the cool stuff that's out there. Then I sit in this army setting and I'm like, who the hell's idea was it to buy this, the, you know, this multi-million dollar platform that is terrible. Like you have to put command, like command codes in to get to certain screens. And anyone out there who's ever used SAP, there's something called T codes. And you have to type in this, this code that'll pull up a screen. There's no like drop down menus to navigate through it. There's no hyperlinking. It's dude, it is so bad. Um, but Hey, I don't get to choose what system the army uses. And, um, apparently there's already been, they just rolled it out, uh, like in the last five years and they're already, They've already picked their next platform to roll out like in 2025. So uh, I can't remember what the other one was. The the ones that we had access to from. So there's the, LCMIS is what you would do like FEMA bidding on. It's the yeah. uh, logistics something supply chain or logistics supply chain management system. Um, so they use LCMIS to interface. So like that's if you do it. Federal freight, it's usually through SDDC, which is the service. Yeah, the surface deployment distribution. Service deployment distribution command, command yeah. uh, based on I think it's Scott Air Force Base, and yeah. the um, training on their system and bidding is done through something called LCMS. We um, did it manually I when I worked with them. Like we literally sent in Excel sheets that they would submit them, and then they would respond back. It was done yeah, like yeah. there's literally um. Manually. There's another system, GFM maybe, or the GSM. That's the one I was trying GSM, to think of. And you upload your, yes. they call them like your tenders, but it's essentially your bid in a spreadsheet. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so the government never has the easiest, most efficient way of doing things. Um, and it's often costly. So, but when you've got an organization of, with millions of people in it, 
Um, you can't make everybody happy. So it or is anyone. It is. It's, it's a huge upgrade. Their last supply and sustainment system was basically command prompt. And so it's Dogs. an upgrade from that, I guess. Eh, so look on the bright side. But anyway, what, what do we got yeah. in sports? Yeah. So sports, um, the Conor McGregor and Poye fight, it was match three. This was on this past Sunday. So the background on it is the two of them fought, I think it was in 2019, if I remember correctly, for the first time, McGregor won. They had a rematch this past January, which McGregor was knocked out, I think, in the second or the second round, maybe. Um, and then McGregor broke his ankle in this fight at the end of the first round, and he was like medically, like based on the the medical um, interjection there, they they ruled him unable to. I heard fight. like I mean, Joe Theismann level, like it was broke bad. his leg. Like you see real the bad. picture of it, and his leg is. I mean, I know there's no video on this podcast, but it was like seeing when Dak Prescott had his ankle injury last year, and uh, just oh nasty. But McGregor, he wasn't as classy after this loss. I think he said he was going to kill Poye. But Dana White, the president of the UFC basically said like, they're going to fight again and looking at even like December as a possible next fight. So I don't know, man, Poye looks pretty good. He's gotten a lot better. I think McGregor is, um, you know, he's good at running his mouth, but he's also on a trend of losing right now. So he's yeah. uh, one for three in, in these matches. So whatever it is, what it is. I'll outside of that all-star break for a major league baseball. So it's midway through the season. You got uh, American league, Going into midseason, the Red Sox are on top and the San Francisco Giants are on top in the National League. Uh, I think they're both like power ranked one and two, but they had like the home run derby, which is pretty cool. Um, All-star game was this week. The American League won. They, I mean, I think they, they typically do. Um, just the way that the teams are stacked in the American League, there's just better uh, franchises out there. But that's all I got for a quick little sports wrap. I've got the Olympics coming up um, open. in a couple of weeks. But yeah, you got the Open starting i guess would today would be practice round starting tomorrow john rom big favorite seven to one followed by bryson 14 to one dj 15 to one rory xander shoffley then brooks justin thomas rounding out jordan spieth pretty much be so, great. looking forward to it speaking of john rom there was a big i read an espn article yesterday there's a lot of uproar in the online betting, well, really the sports book community in general, because when Rom was pulled out um, of the golf match, mm -hmm. a lot of sports books started refunding. I heard it. they did. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, they basically like, because the, they were losing tickets because he got pulled out, they started refunding it. And there's a strategy to, in doing that to, if you're a smaller sports book or casino, it gives you notoriety. Cause they're like, Oh yeah. Like it's good for the betters. They're being nice. Mm -hmm. Um, but then the big guys, you know, like the DraftKings and FanDuel, like they get pissed because they're like, you're gonna you're doing it to try and draw people away from us, and it just it sets a bad precedent for the sports betting community. But you know, at the, at the end of the day, a loss is a loss, but I'm never gonna I'm never gonna not accept free money. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so that's sports. I'm curious to see. I think I think Rom is uh he's a favorite for a reason, and I, I like that. So yeah, I like him as a golfer. I mean, we'll see. I mean, that's why they play him. The Open's a great event, so I'm excited yeah, to watch sure. it. For sure. For sure. And this is where I'm illiterate with golf. Where do they play the Open? So the Open is usually – well, it's always in Britain, but it originated, I think, in 
Scotland in mm-hmm. the first 20 or so, I think we're in Scotland, but I really don't know off the top of my head. And is I it the could, course that has like the, the old course, like, St. Andrews, like, the original. It has the, like the cobblestone bridge over the like the little creek or whatever. Yeah, it's the very it looks like an old castle or like yeah. a cathedral almost. And is it a links course? Yes, they're all okay. I think they're all links courses, in fact, and really windy. But it's that's why like they always there's always this joke in golf where like we say it's the British Open, but the entire world just calls it the open. Yep. Where we have the US Open because it literally is the original golf tournament. Yeah. Well, that's like, you know, the majority of the world calls the horse Fuck race, Fuck. the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. But if you're in, if you're, if you're from that area, it was, Derby. Uh, is it Louisville? I forget where they do it, but they just call it Derby. Yeah. Not the Derby, just Derby. Yep. So, but yeah, good stuff. Hey, man. Um, well, cool. Good, good uh, topic for today on negotiating. But first, give us a shout out to our friends over at DAT. Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners. Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Make sure you take a look at the show note links. We've got a free month of Power, Express, and Trucker's Edge. You got it. I know. How about Holy that? Holy cow, Ben. Nice. You get access to, no. Or, yeah. Anyway, so excited to get into it. Negotiating yeah. basics. And I, I want to say a, a special thanks to all the listeners who have signed up through those unique links in the show notes. We appreciate it. Uh, you're getting a free month of, of one of the best pieces of software out there, DAT's load board, and you're helping your boys out. So we appreciate it. All right. Um, also, leave us a five-star review. We actually haven't read a review off in a while. Uh, we're ranked pretty good as it is right now. So it's not like, you know, we're hurting for, for rankings or, you know, our exposure and like iTunes and whatnot. But it's always good to get that five-star review and leave a comment and all that stuff and share us with your friends in the industry. So let's get into negotiating, Ben. And here's where I'd like to start too, right? Is And I pulled this really great blurb I'd like to read. It's negotiating and bargaining are two different words with very different meetings, right? And really like this. Bargaining is only about winning. As per their definitions and usage, bargaining can be termed as a conversation that aims to reach a result where either of the two reaps benefits. Note right there, either of the two. Either, not both. Not both. Negotiation, on the other hand, aims to reach at a result where both parties are in a win-win situation. Unlike bargaining, where being at the winning side is more important, in negotiating, arriving at the right decision is given priority over personal gains. For instance, bargaining is only about winning. Bargaining can be termed as a conversation that, like we said, aims to reap a benefit. There is a clear winner and a clear loser. In negotiation, you're trying to make the best scenario for both parties. And I think that's significant here. 
for the simple fact that I think a lot of novice brokers treat this, even tenured ones that I know I've interacted with throughout mine, and I'm sure you've seen this the same, is they make it seem like carriers are disposable. Um, they make it seem as if like the only goal is to make the most amount of money and be damned with what happens after the load's done. And the reality yeah. is, is that's fine, but I always felt like it's like cutting off your nose to spite your face. Like, yeah. It just I agree. makes it harder to do business in the long term. So I I have an example that I th- I think is fairly comical, but it's realistic. And this comes from the, the carrier side. And any broker out there who has has heard this will probably get a chuckle when they hear it. But if you've ever had a carrier call on one of your loads and you tell them what it pays, and their response is, um, you know, hey, is that the best you can do, boss? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you know, you're not really putting a whole lot of effort into it. And all they're, they're basically just told you like, I want more money and I don't even want to have a discussion about it. Is there any better you could do that? And that is not negotiating whatsoever. No. So there's, a, we'll talk about um, the right way to negotiate and best practices, but we'll also hit on some things not to do. And we've all experienced it. Um, and Hey, you know what part of getting yourself developed in season as a freight broker, especially on the sales side and prospecting is going to be fine tuning and really mastering the negotiating process. So you don't feel and come across, you don't feel like you're coming across as someone who's a bargainer or almost desperate. And I think yep. you know, people can smell your desperate mentality through the tone of your voice, the pace of your speech, your, how nervous you sound, all of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I love, I love how you pulled those quotes and I, I know you have a, an article you referenced um, to get a lot of the information for us. We'll put a link in the show notes. It's a, it's a good read uh, from what you're saying. I didn't get a chance to read the whole thing, but um, yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes. So um, yeah. So I think, you know, if you look at someone who's new, right, because that's one of the biggest questions we get is, you know, how do I get freight? Like we had somebody that asked a question a couple of weeks ago that said, like, I'm getting consistent opportunities to quote, but I'm not winning any business. And there's probably not a lot of negotiating that's happening um, to have your, you know, have your customer actually award you freight. Cause there are situations where people that gain that trust and successfully go through that negotiating process, they gain a lot of trust from their customer and they can often win lanes at not the cheapest bid, but the customer feels confident in them. And it's a win-win. They know that there's there's not a weight on their shoulders of, is this going to get delivered on time? Did this broker hire the right carrier for my freight? So yep. um, let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the- Here's three good tips I think yeah, we can talk in. about as like some principles and things that you can keep in mind, no matter where you are, what you're trying to negotiate. And the first one is tough guys don't win. A good negotiation creates a deal that both parties feel good about. Win-win, not- out to win, right? There have been many studies showing the benefits of a win-win attitude, including game theory, right? And perhaps more importantly, your reputation, as you pointed out, Nate, will be far greater if you negotiate fairly and with respect. And in there is another one of my great tips is the word fairly is often referred to as the F word in negotiation because it holds a lot of psychological power. You do not want to use words like higher or lower you want to use terms like, hey, does this seem like a fair rate to you? And there's a lot of studies that show if you can say that two or three times within a like burst, it helps the other person 
come to grips with it being less combative, right? Yeah. It literally connotates that you're trying to do something mutually beneficial. Yep. I mean, and this goes back to even like personal purchases that you'll make in your life. If you can get a fair price at something, you'll be happy. You don't, you don't always have to get the best deal or anything like that. Fair makes us feel good. If, if you ever feel like you got ripped off, you, you, it's going to leave a sour taste in your mouth that will never be outweighed by getting a good deal to make up for it. And one of the analogies I use, I know I brought this up before we hopped on the recording session today, um, is think about when you buy a house. So if you've ever bought in a house, you go through a negotiation negotiating process most times, right? Unless you're, you know, the only person that puts a bid in and it gets accepted, which is super rare right now. Um, but I, I remember when I bought my first house, uh, it's probably like seven years, no, six years ago. I don't know, whatever it was, but going through that process and we finally reached the agreed upon purchase price. And I was the one shelling out the money, right, to, to buy this house. But it was a price that was fair to me. It was fair to the seller of the house. And I felt super excited about the purchase that I was about to make, um, even though it took me four months to close or something wild like that. Um, but the, on the other side of it, the seller as well was extremely happy to sell his house and move on to the next chapter in his life. So, so it wasn't like someone thought they got ripped off and their person got a deal or someone paid too high and their person you know, basically just ripped mm -hmm. off the, or the, the buyer. It was a mutual process and everybody walked away from it feeling really, really good and super. Right. And, and you also pointed out something that we'll talk about in a minute, right? Is there more than one thing that you're trying to gain in a negotiation? It isn't just price, right? So when you're talking with a shipper, there is an inverse relationship between urgency, how important that load is to get out when it needs to get out, and what somebody's willing to pay for it, right? The more urgent it is, the more likely they're willing to pay what it costs to get it moved, which is why when you're negotiating with a shipper, they're going to hold those cards very close to their vest. They're not going to tell you which shipments they need to get out. They're going to basically give you zero information in your first conversation or two with a shipper, send you their load list and say, "Where? what's the best you can do, right? Yep. And they have all the leverage. We've got nothing because we don't even understand the context let alone which shipment may or may not be worth them or which may or may not be worth you working on or jumping to and rushing and calling out and putting all this work into it. And meanwhile, that load could be fine sitting there for the next four or five days. Yep. And I think a lot of brokers fail to peel back the layers of that conversation and of that situation yes. to actually to get the important information out that will better arm them to give an accurate rate, a fair rate, right? Yep. And to be able to best service that customer. Which is principle two, right? Listen, the key to successful negotiation is truly understanding the other party's wants, needs, and motivations. You can only do this by listening and drawing out information from what they tell you. It's that old adage, right? God gave you two ears and one mouth. You should be listening twice as much as you're talking. Use them proportionately, right? Yeah, absolutely. I had a... I had a professor in college. So I was a, I went to school for business and it was, this, it was the simple, like we had a, we did a little bit on like um, negotiation and stuff like that. And one of the things that he said was like, one of the best tips for negotiating is to shut up and listen. And it's just mm -hmm. like, that's a full sentence, shut up and listen. Um, and I remember like, you know, I think about some of my first sales jobs, I sold computers and TVs and all this stuff at like Best Buy and 
Um, I did some software sales and one of the best things to do is just like, like you had there with listening is ask questions and just let them paint you the picture. And you can usually tell by what they emphasize and what they may say two or three different times, maybe two or three different ways. That's what's important to them. And they might be telling you pain points that you can use to, you know, to craft your conversation and, and get the, the sale going in the right direction. Um, it could be just repeating the same thing over and over again, all kinds of stuff. Well, there's so. two big things, right? We can listen with the intent to respond or can we can listen with the intent to understand. Those are two very different things, right? You should be listening not only from your shippers, but also your carriers on what's important to them so that you can understand that, right? Because I mean, I was with a client earlier today. We were, I was helping them negotiate some more local loads with some of the regional carriers. And it's like, you know how many times the carrier point blank said, well, if they're easy to load and we have access to the volume and they're really easy to load and get out, we'll absolutely give you a better rate. Like they're literally telling you what are the other aspects of the negotiation that are important to them. Timeliness, ease for the drivers, lack of detention. They're willing to do a lower rate because overall they know they'll make more money through the volume and through those things. So you're really picking and choosing what are most important and what these aspects are just by listening and understanding, right? Yeah. Which, and I like how you had a note in here too about the the adage of two thirds, one third. So you should spend two thirds of the conversation listening and only one third um, talking yourself or asking questions and responding and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about it, I, when I, so on the agent recruiting side of the freight business, and that's a whole, that's a whole different conversation. We can have an episode on that at some point, but um, there's a lot of companies out there that bring on agents and look for quality agents and have different offerings. Um, so th- it is a sales process to successfully recruit and um, contract a new freight agent for your brokerage. I remember when I was new in that realm, this is like back 2014 ish, um, I wasn't, you know, it was, it was a new thing to me to have to learn. And I spent a lot of time just spewing out, you know, features and highlights of the company that I worked for at the time. And I quickly realized that if I could just ask a couple of the right questions, someone else would just then start talking for 30 minutes and telling me their entire story. And I would then be able to figure out, is it a good fit? Is it not a good fit? You know, it is like, you know, that is one of the, the biggest takeaways of this whole thing is just ask the right questions and listen. And they'll usually, the customer or the prospect will usually tell you exactly what it is that you were trying to get by, you know, spewing out what you were spewing out. Well, here's the thing. Do you learn anything when you're talking? No, nothing at all. You learn everything when you're <laughs> I, listening. I learn how right? annoying I sound to hear myself. It's like anything else, right? Which I think is a great roundabout into the third one, which is preparation, right? Fail to prepare and you prepare to fail. Everyone's heard that, right? Mm -hmm. You should be aware of all of your loads and your shippers benefits and the selling points, right? Whether it's a desirable pickup, a fast delivery, fast unloading, fast load, quick turnaround, a lightweight, no tarp, whatever the benefits are to that load, you should know them inside and out, right? Why? I mean, why is that? Because that's the context. That's yep. the other things that are likely to matter to your carrier other than just the rate. Absolutely. Because like, like you said before, right? A, a carrier will take a lower rate if you can assure them or give them a high level of confidence that they are not going to be have to get 
laid over or have detention or have issues finding where they're supposed to be going or, you know, stuff like that. It's that ease of doing their job and those little benefits, like you mentioned, fast load, fast unload, quick turnaround, or, you know, there's really just about zero deadhead from their delivery. Um, or maybe you've got a second follow on load for them, things like that, where there's a bigger picture to all of it. It's more than just distance price. It's yep. More than just that. And I think this is a great, and I want to talk a little bit about actually negotiating, right? So, and I, I always really like this one. Like, have you ever heard the first person to speak loses? Yes. As it relates to this. What's your take on that? Um, I mean, there's that awkward pregnant pause that I've had on conversations before. And eventually someone talks that like 10 seconds might feel mm-hmm. like a, a lifetime. I can't say that I definitively wholeheartedly believe in it, but I think there's a lot of value to that. So for instance, right. And I think there is too, because why that is true or why it's supposed to be true is because the first person to speak gives the other party more information. So the other person immediately starts with more leverage. They know where the other person wants to be. Right. So you always laugh when you hear these, especially with new brokers You can go carrier calls in and goes, Hey, I saw you guys got this load posted. Where do you need to be on this? And the broker's like, well, where do you need to be? And the carrier's like, well, it's your load. You tell me what you want to pay. And the broker's like, yeah, but you're the carrier. I, I, I'm just curious where you guys want to be. And just like you said, you get this like, what do they call Like this standoff, right? Where nobody yeah, wants to like say a, anything. It's like a right? gunslinger moment. Like who, yeah. who's going to say, who's going to give a number first? Well, a couple great tips are one, realize that people doing this all day long, you get into habits, you get in, you get into used to your rhythm, right? So a carrier almost always is going to assume if you tell them you're going to be at a thousand, you've got at least another 250 to $300 to work with. They just yep. assume that, which is why you said earlier in the, in the, in the show, Hey, I got 750 on this lane. Immediately a care is going to go, well, is that the best you can do? Cause they're trying to get the second <laughs> best number. They want to know what you have in it because they want to take all of it and they feel they have a right to take all of it. Be that as it may. Right. That's the poker game, right? Yeah. On the broker side, you're trying to figure out, well, How do you figure out where this carrier needs what's important to them, right? And I think the best way to start this is what we were just pointing out. I always ask questions. Like if a carrier is calling me and he goes, here, role play it right now. You call me on a posted load. Call it Miami to New York. Okay. Ring, 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 ring. Yeah. Hey, this is Ben. Hey, Ben. Vlad here out of Glendale, California. Click. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, hey, I saw you had a load posted from Miami to New York. Is that still available? Yeah, it's still good. Hey, let me ask you this real quick, Vlad. Um, where's your driver looking to go? I'm guessing he's in Miami looking to go north. Yeah, I want to get him out of the southeast, uh, you know, looking to get a, a reload out of the northeast to get him back to the Midwest where he wants to go home for the weekend. Perfect. So he's looking to go up into the Northeast. New York looks like a decent destination for you guys. Yep. We uh, typically are able to reload them out of there fairly often without any issues. Perfect. So we pause right there. What I did in just that little bit was I preempted his question of asking me what my rate is because I know the biggest objection you're going to get from a carrier is they're going to use the destination to leverage more money. So if I immediately tell you I need to be at 1200, you're going to come back and usually, not always, but a carrier's going to be like, well, you know, it's going to the Northeast and he's going to leverage some of the negatives. And he's going, you know, it's really pretty tight coming out of there. 
not really sure I'm going to get the best load. I'm going to need to be at a pretty decent rate. Like he's immediately going to try to use that to leverage the rate up. So I always know that location is one of the important things for a carrier where they're going to go because that determines how much they'll get paid on their next load, usually. Absolutely. Getting that information out in the open as quickly as possible gives me leverage. It gives me more information so that I know what's important to them other than just rate. Because my next question to you is going to be, well, Vlad, let me ask you this. I mean, you guys ship a lot of whatever it is I'm shipping. Let's say it's lumber, right? Do you guys do a lot of lumber loads? I mean, I know you you notice it was a flatbed, right? You're going to come back with. Yeah, we we move lumber a lot. Absolutely. So your guy has, uh, I'm guessing he has. Tarps on his, in his truck already. He's got yeah. four and six. Got four and six tarps, got all the straps in there, pipe stakes if needed, if we do anything like that. Full Absolutely. loaded. Well, where are you guys looking to be at on this, Nate? Um, you know, based on how things have been lately, I know, uh, you know, carriers have been getting a lot higher rates. So uh, I'm looking to be at, you know, about 3,200. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I hear you, Nick. I mean, Nate, I, to be honest right Vlad, now. My name is Vlad, Vlad. Ben. You got more <laughs> money, boss. Yeah. <laughs> Vlad, you know, I, I got 20, 2,700. That's about all I got in it. That's as much as they're going to go. You think that'll work for your driver or? Uh, you know, we were really trying to get at 32, just, you know, kind of based off of, you know, what, what we've been seeing lately going into that region. So, you know, can you, can you get a little bit higher for me? And, you know, how does like, you know, maybe 3000, you know, 3050, anything like that. So I'm going to pause that. Right. So two other things. One was I asked you if that would work for your driver, not you. Right. So another great kind of psychological tip in negotiation is that means it's no longer me versus you. It's you and I now working to help your driver. We're on the same table now, right? On the same side of the table. It's a very hey, good point. Will this work for this guy? Now he's going to go, well, you know, I know he really wants to be at this, right? It's a want, not a need, not has to. I've got leverage because I'm not the one paying the bill my shipper does. So I'm going to use that as kind of like my holdout and go, well, I'll see what I can do because the next step is split the difference, right? You're at 32, I'm at 27 call it a day at 29.50. You'll probably take it. My shipper probably will anyway. I got to make sure my margin's in there, but then I'm going to just come back with, hey, you know what, Vlad, if we can split the difference, I'll call them and see if they're good on that and then we'll go. And the reason I always finish with that is if I just tell you that's good, everything I said before that is kind of BS. Yeah. Because if I tell you I can now all of a sudden go to 29.50 and you know I need to make money on this, you know everything I said up till that point wasn't true, right? Absolutely. Which that's, is that's why a really you got to get the out. But I do want to give a caveat is um, make that the time between that this call and the next call as quickly as you can. Yes. Because it, all it takes is I'm calling another person and... Well, that's my next tip is I wouldn't even let them off the phone. To be honest, I would put them on hold and say, hey, would you give me a minute, Vlad? I'm going to call them real quick, run this right past, see if they'll go up to that. And I'll jump right back and we'll get you on this. And in some cases, I'm calling the shipper. Some cases I know, and I was being able to manage this and they've given me the ability to go a little bit above it, whatever that may be. But that's kind of long and short how you can kind of strategically negotiate these on a regular basis, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, that's a really good point. I dig it. Absolutely. So cool. Now go ahead. 
Well, I was going to ask you, you had made a really good point. We were talking about this prepping for the show, like do it with the right person, right? Making sure you're negotiating with the right person. Is that in relation to like sometimes when you got to negotiate with the drivers versus the dispatchers? So this actually goes on both sides of the equation. In in my opinion, this is negotiating with your shipper on cost and also with, you know, the, the carrier side of the house and how much you're going to pay them. So on the shipper side, the person that you're talking to may or may not be able to even move their rate whatsoever. They may have lanes that go out on a regular basis and they are told we're paying this much, get it covered with the reliable broker or asset-based company. Um, That's not to say that that rate cannot go up, but the person you're talking to may not be the one to make the decision. So you don't necessarily need to waste your time trying to convince them or negotiate with them when it may be, a conversation that either you need to have with somebody else or a conversation that they need to have with somebody else um, to kind of expedite. The other side is with the carrier, right? You might have a um, a driver calling on a load versus a dispatcher. I guess that's kind of what you brought up. And I suppose that would be applicable in that situation as well. Um, you know, I, I think that typically your dispatcher, if, you, if they have a dispatcher that, uh, if it's a you know, a company with a lot of drivers that dispatchers probably can do a lot of the work. But if you have an independent dispatcher, that is also where they may not be the one. They just are there to find loads, right? Let me get yep. to your next load. So the driver themselves, maybe it's an owner op or something like that. The driver themselves may be the one that's, well, is likely the one that's going to say, yes, I will do it for this price. So that's, yeah. a, that's a really good point. Because I, I think the more, the more you understand what you're the person you're speaking to is decision-making authority, the less time you're going to waste, like you said, talking to somebody that may or may not even have the ability to flex their price in any way. It's the same concept as the gatekeeper, right? The the person that's the gatekeeper, they're not, they're not the ones setting you up to be a new uh, transportation provider for that company. They're the gatekeeper that is, their job is to either let you go through or to not let you go through. Yep. So you, you should like to say, you know, you shouldn't be asking the gatekeeper questions about what lanes they're struggling with because they it's probably not their job. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah. No, that's a good point. And I, I really like the next one, like some other options, right? Like whether it's partials, whether it's moving in at a different day, I think this goes right back to the information, right? Because on a lot of cases, a carrier would be willing to run it for a little bit less to have a more convenient time, right? If yep. you're able to get the shipper to have somebody stay a little bit late, maybe you can get a little bit better rate. Yeah. And you, so you, I know you've used the rate versus date concept with the shipper side, but same with the carrier. If, if they've got a decent sized fleet and that, if you know that that load can wait a little bit on your customer side, you can field carriers and say, Hey, if you don't have someone today, do you have anybody next week or in the next 10 days, something like that, that is looking for a backhaul or anything like that. And the, the whole concept of a partial too, right? If, you know, I, I've had people that as a broker, they have a partial load and they will out of courtesy help that driver find another load to partial up to fill up their truck at just pro bono, essentially like, Hey, I'll do you a favor. I'll help you find your next load, get you reloaded out of there. Basically I act as a dispatcher or I even had a guy that he does full truck load and to keep his, he's got a dedicated carrier to keep his carrier doing that same couple lanes every single week. He does their dispatching to get them back to where that origin was, the original origin mm-hmm. at no, you know, no fee, no cost. He just, Hey, I appreciate your continued 
partnership with me and, and getting this freight move for uh, my customer. I'm going to do this for you and try to keep your, your empty miles as low as possible and, and get you reloaded as soon as you can. So, And I think that's really important, right? Because that goes right back to some of the other keys we're talking about. Preparation, getting information. When you understand what's important to the carriers, asking these extra questions goes a long way, right? Even just asking the dispatcher, like, hey, even if this load doesn't work, I mean, maybe have a driver there tomorrow. Just asking that additional question And because what you don't know is maybe this driver goes, hey, or the dispatcher goes, hey, I get you somebody tomorrow. When you go back to your shipper, at least it's, hey, I don't have anybody at your rate today. Or I do have somebody today. They're well above your rate. But, you know, the guy's going to be there tomorrow. If this load can wait tomorrow, would that still work? And just that little bit outside the box goes a long way because it gets you an extra load here and they're covered. And over a year, that makes a big difference, right? An extra load or two a week ends up being an extra 50 or 100 by the end of the year. Yep. Absolutely. It all adds up. Well, good stuff. Good stuff. Any other thoughts on negotiating? I know it's a, it's a very, very big topic. We wanted to kind of hit the basics of it today. We could definitely revisit it in more detail. And, you know, uh, the market's, the market's crazy right now. Um, you know, it's, it's a thing that if you can master this or at least get a little bit better at it each day, it's going to help you secure capacity and, you know, get that, the meat on the bone that you need to. Yep. Another, I think another tip too is odd pricing is really good for negotiation. Um, when you use round numbers and you tell a dispatcher that this is what you can go up to, um, it tends to be a little less believable than when sometimes you come up with an odd number. Like, look, all I got on this is 975. That's as much as they'll go. Or all I got on this is 1273. They just won't go above that. Like it tends to hold more weight when you use a more specific number as well. Yeah. So that's a good point. And another example is on the customer side, I've got an agent of mine that whenever he does any kind of project that involves um, more than just a flat line haul rate, he never gives a quote that does not end in a certain odd number of cents Mm -hmm. after the dollars. Like it'll be like, you know, $3,127 and 65 cents. And it's broken down you know, line by line as to why it went into that, whether it was insurance or um, an extra stop fee or escort required permits, whatever, but it's all broken down in there to show exactly. So it's not like, cause if you have the round number, it's like, yeah, you, you round it up to get a little more margin in there. So. Yep. And it, it's psychological gives them the, the trust on the other side. And I think the kind of recap on the shipper side, right? The more loads you do, the more trust you have, the more information you'll get from them. That's just going to take time. On the carrier side, you want to be able to provide value to both parties so that you can do more business over time. Because if you know the carrier and you can get used to the dispatcher, there's less risk for the carrier to pick up at that shipper. They know that shipper. They get familiar with them. They want to go back to the good ones. That's why you're able to maintain consistent and lower rates over time with the same carriers, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. So we got a few Q&A questions to wrap it up. But first, we got to give a shout out to our friends over at Lean Solutions Group. They're just about to wrap up our new website. <laughs> We've got a, we had a couple of last touches. You and I are a little uh, particular on how we want our stuff presented, but they're doing a fantastic job. Lean Solutions Group has four divisions of awesome ways to help you grow your business, whether it is staffing, sales with account management. Um, you have the uh, tech side and the marketing side. So web development, how to market your brand, staffing could be anything from dispatchers to accounting folks, the back office, and then sales reps to, you know, whether it's 
calling on new prospects, which you may or may not want to do that, or account management with some of your existing customers. So check them out. There's a link in the show notes for Lean Group. It's leangroup.com. We're going to have uh, Trey on here, hopefully a handful of times in the next uh, few months uh, to dig into some fun, cool topics as well. So check them out, leangroup.com. All right. Three Q&A. questions here. Say again? Said Q&A. Q&A, man. All right. So this is actually a good question. This first one, I liked it. Um, I answered this to somebody recently. And uh, the question is, how can I get competitive LTL rates if I'm doing mostly full truckload? So LTL and full truckload obviously operate in very, very different pricing models, right? Full truckload is typically market driven, right? The market will shift daily, hourly, by the minute. I mean, it can it can really shift. Where LTL, they have set rates based on which zip code you're picking up at, what zip code you're delivering to, the weight, the cube or volume of it, um, the freight class, which is tied to the density. And they all goes into this calculation and algorithm and it spits out a price for you. And every carrier is going to have different rates and different lanes based on how their service centers are set up and what their distribution network looks like. But the more volume you do in LTL, the bigger what they call quote unquote discount you'll be given by a LTL carrier. So if you don't do a lot of LTL, it's going to be very difficult for you to get good competitive LTL pricing to be able to win those lanes over other brokers. So what I have found to be effective until you can grow your your volume high enough is to use co-brokerage agreements with LTL freight brokerage companies. So for example, a Global Trans or a Freight Quote, a Priority One, uh, just to name a few of the bigger ones out there. They will offer co-brokerage where they have a cost plus model where they have such a volume of LTL freight that they broker out to these carriers that they can pass those competitive rates on to not just their customers, but they can have a co-brokerage set up within our brokerage to pass on those, those rates as well. They mark it up a little bit. Like you might have you know, five to 10% marked up, but since LTL can have a 30 to 40% margin anyway, you can still service your customers that do full truckload. You can service them with their LTL, but their LTL business as well, be a single point of contact, familiar face, familiar voice. That way it's not like, oh, this one's not full truckload. I can't go to Ben or Nate. I've got to go to, you know, John Doe over at whatever company. Um, so that's my 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 tip on that one, I would encourage you, even while you're doing that, to still reach out to the LTL carriers directly and establish that relationship. Let them know what you're doing because they're going to want to have you as a direct customer at some point anyway. And if you can lay that groundwork, you'll eventually get there when your volume picks up. And that way you've got more margin yourself to work with. That's a great tip. How yeah. about number two? I'm curious. Number two. So, um, Fairly decent news. Um, I think it was last week, President Biden announced a executive order that was in, intended to curtail non-compete agreements. And the question was, how will Biden's non-compete executive order affect freight brokers? Obviously, there's a lot of companies out there that have very, very notoriously strict and oftentimes messy non-compete agreements, Okay. So what Biden wants to do is say that, you know, it's not good for the American worker or the American family to have these non-competes. It's not good for business overall. We're not going to strive and, and grow as a um, 
a free market economy if we keep restricting our workers from going to other companies and kind of sp- sharing that or spreading that experience around um, if, if it's necessary or the right move. Now, how will it affect people? Um, I don't know. How will it affect brokers? I don't know. And there, there's two reasons I want to po- two things I want to point out here. Number one, a non-compete means you can't go work for a competitor. It is not the same as a non-solicitation agreement. Okay. The non-solicitation is often what, what gets brokers in a bind because yeah, you may, you may be able to get away with going to work for another company as long as no one knows about it. But the second that your old company finds out that you are prospecting one of their customers or trying to take your old customers with you, that's what they're pissed about because they don't want to lose business. Yep. Um, so he has not said anything about non-solicits. He talked about non-competes in general. So that's the first point. The other thing too is any law, anyone can file a lawsuit against anyone else for any reason. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to whatever a, if it doesn't settle outside of court, it's going to come down to what a judge will rule on that. So depending on the situation and the details of it, there's a lot of non-competes now that get thrown out. There's a few states right now that already have outlawed non-competes. Um, there's right to work states as well that tend to favor the employee over the employer. Um, but there's obviously a benefit to some of these large brokerages to have their cases initiated and conducted and completed in their own county where they have a good presence and relationship with the judges there. And that's for a reason, because if they know the judge is going to side with them or err on the, you know, on the side of the employer, um, it doesn't really matter what you want to say or what your story is, the judge will ultimately make the decision. So that's my take on it. Long-winded, but who knows? We'll see. There were some really good articles I remember reading three, four years ago on this too. And like 16 and 17, there was a, a bill that was trying to pass through the house that was going to do a lot of the same thing. Um, I'll be anxious to see what it does. I think our industry could benefit from being able to see talent move from company to company. I think the companies overall would all get better when they had to provide better tools and resources to keep their employees, which is, I know one of the guys on LinkedIn, we comment and share on our network, Andrew um, Silver with Molo talked about that last week. He had said, you know, he'd not had, I think one person in the history of his company leave to go work for another company. And he's like, it's not because we had non-competes because we treat them well. And it's because we treat employees like family and the companies that don't, everybody's aware of who they are and that's how they built their business. They build it on the backs of exploiting their employees. I mean, I agree. I agree. Secret. Yeah. He's a, he's a good one to, to follow and, and kind of read some stuff on. He does like a lot of, um, I guess you can call them like candid or very transparent videos about not just their successes, but also how they've overcome struggles as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's a definitely a good one to check out. They're in Chicago, I think. Right. Yeah. I think so, his dad started coyote actually. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So stay, stay tuned and see what happens with that. Um, last one. And I'll let you take this one. Should I focus on quantity or quality when I'm cold calling? Mix. Both. I mean, which doesn't really help the person asking that question, but (laughs) you want to be increasing the quality of your calls on a daily basis, but you need to have a number large enough that you're playing enough hands to win. Like I, I love poker as an example for cold calling because it's like, even though 
we all, anybody that's played the game knows there's a lot of luck involved, just like in cold calling. When you've got better skill and you play better odds, you increase the opportunities within those numbers. So the better your quality is, the less the numbers you have to put out are. But you need at least a certain amount to be able to have a data set that anything's going to happen, right? Like you're never going to call three people and get three customers. You don't necessarily need to call 10,000, but somewhere in between those two numbers, the guys that have better quality calls need to make less. The people that are poor make more in the beginning. The same concept can apply in blackjack for the, like the card counting yep. um, groups that are out there and have done very, very well at being able to put the game in their favor. Um, it takes a long, in a nutshell, basically, if you don't have an automatic shuffler, there's only so many um, face cards versus low cards and, and a deck of cards. So based on how, what's left in the deck, it may be more in the player's favor versus the the dealer or the house. So what these card, card, card counters would do, and you can watch the movie 21 if you want like a dramatized version of it, um, but they would play for hours and hours and hours and have teams and they go to multiple casinos and they would, so they put the quantity in, but when the quality was right is when they were really taking advantage and, and winning a lot of money doing that. So there's a balance to it. I agree. Yep. You can have all the quantity of cold calls in the world, but if they're all bad quality, they're all you're not going to get anything out Nothing. of it. Yep. And you could have the best quality conversation, but if you only have two calls per day, it's still not going to get you where you want to be. That's why that quote, like I say it over and over, right? Luck is when preparation meets opportunity, right? The preparation is the quality. The opportunities are the quantity. Yep. It's both of them together. Absolutely. So good stuff. Good stuff. Great episode. We'll definitely um, put a link in the show notes for all the stuff we mentioned today, including that article uh, that you had pulled up. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts? Yeah. If anybody's interested in learning more about this, we're going to be covering this next week in our group coaching session. And we're going to be talking a lot more about on the ground, actionable stuff on how to negotiate with your shippers to get more loads and how to negotiate with customers to retain more of the margin that you guys are all working for. So excited to be doing that next week. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you've purchased our Freight Broker Basics course, which I know a lot of folks have, you get a free month of coaching. Um, you can also try it out with, you know, for free for a month, see if you like what we have to offer. It's uh, code free month, right? Get you a free month. And, but yeah, it's, it's been good. It's been good. So, yeah. Sweet. Well, whether you believe you can or believe you can't. And until right. next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.